Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. It's so good to be in the house of the Lord today. Praise God, praise God. Welcome, welcome to Christ Fellowship. So glad that you all can join us in the house of God today. And let me, oh, let me even take that a step further. Welcome to the embassy of the kingdom of God right here in Christ Fellowship, Georgia. In Christ Fellowship. Yes, God. Thank you, Lord God. I'm just going to say one word real quick. You know what? No matter what's happening here in our society and in our world, the kingdom of God and the government of the Lord God Almighty will always overrule, always trump, always supersede what's happening here. So don't you ever take your eyes off of what King Jesus is doing. Always keep your eyes on him. So again, welcome to Christ Fellowship in Dawsonville, home of the North Georgia Revival. Praise God that you can join us. Yes. We also want to go ahead and uh, say thank you to the ISN Network and welcome all those who are streaming live, watching by uh, ISN Network. Welcome, welcome. We welcome you guys into this as well. Keep in mind that uh, the location, we, we, we welcome God here, but also know that the Spirit of God will also meet you in your home. God is not a favor of persons. He will meet you right where you are. And if you are dealing with some things in your life, just turn your eyes to Jesus and magnify him and make him bigger than your problem. And he will set you free and he will deliver you because that's what the word says and he will do it. Amen. So welcome, welcome. All right. So uh, we always honor the word, always honor the Lord with the reading of the word. Praise God. So we're going to go into Leviticus chapter 26. We're going to go into the covenant, y'all. Leviticus chapter 26, we're going to read verses 3 to 12. If you follow my decrees and are careful to obey my commands, I will send you the seasonal rain. The land then, the land will then yield its crops and the trees of the field will produce their fruit. Your threshing season will overlap with the grape harvest and your grape harvest will overlap with the season of planting grain. Thank you, Lord. You will eat your fill and live securely in your own land. I will give you peace in the land and you will be able to sleep with no cause for fear. Fear, you have got to now leave the premises in the name of Jesus. I will rid the land of wild animals and keep your enemies out of the land. In fact, you will chase down your enemies and slaughter them with your sword. Five of you will chase a hundred, a hundred of you will chase 10,000. I'm going to read that one more time. Five of you will chase a hundred and a hundred of you will chase 10,000. All your enemies will fall beneath your sword. I will look favorably upon you, making you fertile and multiplying your people and I will fulfill my covenant with you. You will have such a surplus of crop that you will need to clear out the old grain and make room for the new harvest. And here's my favorite. I will live among you. I will not despise you, says the Lord. I will walk among you. I will not despise you. I will be your God and you will be my people. Hallelujah. So let me encourage you by saying, our God, he's the same yesterday, today, 
and forever. And he is faithful to his word. He looks over his word to perform it mightily. And as long as we continue to keep our eyes focused on Jesus, then he will constantly look over his word to perform it in our lives. So we will look to the Lord and he will deliver us. He will keep us. His government will be made manifest in our lives. So let's, let's make a proclamation. Let's be bold. Let's put down our Bibles. Let's come to the front and let's give God glory that is due to his name. Come on to the front. Let's give God some praise. Come to the front and let's make a bold declaration that God will overcome. He is our deliverer.
sanctuary join us at home if you will by lifting up your hands Lord we embrace your presence we wrap our arms around you we acknowledge your presence in this room Father, I know when you walked in, 
collectively at one time, he's looking at every heart. And it's not about what he can do for you at this moment. He's come to enjoy. He's come to bask, to revel in the praises of his people. that must be for him. More times than not, we go to him with our list of what we need from him. Tonight, Father, we're here for you. You've blessed us. But your psalmist said, oh, bless the exchange ask for nothing tonight I dare you I dare you to ask for nothing simply to be lost in your adoration exaltation of worship for him And if he gives you nothing, will you be all right with that? May we, may we be like the woman who entered the room of an alabaster flask, asking nothing. Simply to give most expensive thing in her life, an heirloom perhaps, and to break it, offer him. it up for a dozen years. One more night, it'll be all right. Ask for nothing. Do not come with palms up, not at this moment. For he inhabits the praises of his people.
is your house, your room. And as Roy said, an embassy for your kingdom. An embassy for your kingdom. Glorify you. And everybody in this house said yes and amen. Put your hands together, magnify. Yes. Thank you. What a remarkable night it has already been glory of God fell in this place during prayer. I don't know if you were here. It's just a continuation and spillover right now. The fire water, I'm telling you, is electrified. I'm telling you, the presence of God is so strong in this house. And when you get baptized tonight, it's going to be otherworldly. He's coming for you. He's coming for you. I said he's coming for you with vengeance. Love on one another as you greet one another, making back, uh, making your way back to your seat tonight. We want to welcome all of you that are watching on the ISN Network. Thank you so much for joining us on week number 147, 147. Can you guys believe that tonight is week 147? 147. I'm telling you, just a few weeks away from three years, less than 10 weeks away. So thrilled. Who is here for the very first time tonight? If you're here for the very first time tonight, raise your hand. God bless you. Thank you for coming. Thank you for being here. On this, on this holiday weekend, Thanksgiving weekend, with so many people are traveling and running about, you've chosen to be here. And every holiday evening, every holiday evening, the glory of God just goes to the next level. Who's from out of state tonight? Anybody from out of state? from in the back. Where are you guys from? South Carolina. Welcome. Thank you for coming. Let our folks from South Carolina know you love them. Anybody else over here from out of state? Anybody else? Anybody else? Right here. Virginia. Thank you for coming all the way from Virginia. Maryland. Maryland. Virginia and Maryland. Wow. Anybody else over here? Yes. Indiana, thank you for coming. Anybody else? Thank you. Yes. Florida, so glad to have you in the house as well. Well, it's a joy to uh, just transition the service tonight. If you've not registered to be baptized, we want to encourage you to do that. You can do it immediately after the uh, service. The altar call is given. At that moment, you can go into the lobby area and register to make sure that you have a space and a, pl a place to be baptized tonight. Get in line, but make sure you register. We need to make sure that we have a record of your uh, desire there. You know, I am thrilled. I'm going to ask Karen to come, if she would, for just a moment. I want her to come and to talk to you about the women's conference coming up in January. Come on, put your hands together. 
So good to see all of you tonight. Ladies, I just want to remind you about the women's conferences coming up in January the 22nd through the 23rd. And you know how it is on a holiday, like we just experienced Thanksgiving and just Christmas is coming up. You that have children, you know how it is when the kids come home. You know, I know how it is like with Ty and Ethan. If Ty's in the room, it's great. If Ethan's in the room, it's great. But when you get them together, I mean, you just kind of turn into mush, you know, just a puddle in the floor when they're all there together. So that's what's going to happen in January when all the daughters come together. All the father's daughters are coming to the house. They're all coming home. And so we want to celebrate that. We want to celebrate the fact that God's going to do tremendous things. We will be baptizing that Friday night. So we'll have a Friday night service and then three services, I believe it is, on Saturday. So ladies, you will want to go ahead and register for that. Uh, we are pushing for a thousand. Come on, a thousand women where we are adding chairs wall to wall. So don't miss the opportunity. And I just wanna, I wanna encourage you guys, listen, during a season of revival, let me just tell you this, positioning is everything. Positioning is everything. It's putting yourself underneath. It's putting yourself underneath the spout. Wherever God is, that's where we need to be. And so ladies, in January, that's gonna be our opportunity. And it's just gonna be Katie bar the door. The whole conference is called Ignited. That's past tense, so when you leave, you are going to be ignited. Now, if you are not ignited, it is because you did not position yourself to be here. So don't let the enemy cheat you out of that weekend. Come and be with us. You can register online, but you can also use that code right there and register to be with us. Amen? I need every lady, if you would, to stand to your feet right now. Every lady in the house, stand to your feet. You've got over two months, and those of you that are not here in the building, you have over two months to get to this house. I would do everything in my power to be a part of this conference. Right now, right at 300 people, over 250 women have already registered. We've never had this type of response before. There's such a hunger. You can pull out your phone right now and pull open uh, the camera and just shoot it if you will you don't have to take a picture but it's going to open up a screen where you can register it's 20 dollars for the conference and uh do that the 22nd and 23rd and ladies bring your entire women's ministry at your church make this a part of a dynamic weekend i know your pastor will be glad that you did all right praise god all right you may be seated ladies let me also remind you coming up on the 13th of December, not next Sunday, but the following Sunday, two weeks from today, Jeremiah Johnson will be with us in the building, right? Come on now. He's going to be with us in the building for two services in the morning, in the evening. I need you to make sure that you're praying for this, making this a part of your weekend activities to be in the house of God on that day specifically as the prophet Jeremiah Johnson is going to be speaking to us about what God's doing in this end time. So please put that on your counter. That's Sunday morning and Sunday evening. I want to introduce to you a couple of, uh, of individuals, if you will, if they would come on out right now, Jason and his wife, Jennifer. Uh, I'm going to ask them to come first. And would you welcome them to the platform this, this evening? 
Come on up here, Jason. All right. And this is his son, Ethan. What an incredible young man. And they're from the Florida area, right outside of Daytona Beach, Florida, in DeLand vicinity there. You are a children's pastor of a local church. Yes, sir. Children's pastors in DeLand, Florida. In DeLand, Florida. And this is your son, Ethan. You have your wonderful uh, daughter, Ellie, as well. But uh, tell us a little bit about, tell us a little bit about, about Ethan and what was going on in his life before he got into the baptismal waters in uh, DeLand, Florida. Well, Ethan, uh, we, we had gone to a service in, in DeLand, Florida. And uh, at the end, they were going to do baptisms. And Ethan said, I, I feel like the Lord is going to heal me from asthma inside the waters. And he'd been dealing with asthma for two years. Uh, when it started, uh, he was on a, uh, a nebulizer every four hours. And uh, they finally had gotten him to where it was a, a rescue inhaler two times a day. Uh, but this boy loves to run. He loves playing baseball, all of it. And he got in those waters and has had, not had a problem breathing since. Since that moment. Since that moment. Yeah. Since the moment he got into the waters. Since the moment. They said he was shaking in the water and right, it was hold warm. On a second. I want you. I want you. I want you guys to. You have video of him shaking in the water. You have to understand, um, we were just going through the testimonies of how God had touched people and the fire on the water and how it's transferable from one church to the next, from one baptismal pool to the next. If there's faith, God will meet people in the water. He's listening to every word I'm saying. How old are you, Ethan? Nine. So he's listening as a nine-year-old. The worst thing you can do when you come to church with a child is to give them an entertainment device. I'm going to say it one more time because the worst thing that you can do for your child just so that they will stay still while you have big church is to bring your child to church and hand them a phone or an entertainment device. Ethan, play the game. This is Big Daddy and Big Mama Church. Don't disrupt us. He's visualizing, he's visualizing a ball bouncing on a video screen. He's engaged in it. And God is trying to give him healing. God wants him to hear, to participate. My child's bored in church. What church are you going to? Yeah. Well, I'm afraid they won't sit still. Be the parent. Yeah. Yeah. Be the parent. This is not your babysitting device so that you can have church and be, be uninterrupted. All right, that's the commercial. <laughs> so he's listening to everything that I'm saying that night and he comes up to me before his baptism I don't know if you knew this he said Jesus is going to heal me in that water 
Well, I was given an entertainment device, but I just set it down and listened. <laughs> Honesty, right there. Honesty. Yeah. Honesty. Yes. Yeah. And he does use his device to take pictures, and he made a movie of the service while I'm sitting. Yeah, but it was just, it's amazing. But anyway, he came up to me, and he said, Jesus is going to heal me when I get in that water. Not a maybe so, hope so, I think so. And I just hooked up my faith with him. I said, yeah, I agree. I agree. He gets into the water. Jennifer, what happened? Um, the first time that he went down, he came back up and they asked him to take a deep breath. And he took a breath and he said, it feels a little bit better, but I'm not there yet. So they said, do you want to go under again? And he said, yeah. So he went under again and he came up and he said, it feels a little better, but I'm not there yet. And the third time he went under, he came up shaking. And he said, God has healed me. Come on! Come on, church! Yes! Some of us are too polite in the water. Some of us are too polite, you're one and done. You may, I, no, I, I'm still feeling pain. Dunk me again. I mean, make them dunk you 20 times if you still have pain. Yeah. That builds my faith right there, yes, Pastor sir. Jason. Yes, sir. He, he went to play baseball just a couple days later. He was running the bases, not gasping for air, not nothing, like a rocket. He refused. He refused. I'm not using the inhaler, not doing it. And normally as a parent, you don't want to, but he hasn't touched it since. Not, not My Lord. Nothing. Jim and Lori, you know these two. You can testify that this is the condition of, of, of Ethan. That's his Godfather. We'll praise the Lord. God is good. Stretch your hand, stand your feet, stretch your hand. Let's pray for Ethan. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you that you're going to be touching him from this point even deeper and greater. That, Lord, that it shall never return to him a second time. Even his children and children's children will be asthma-free. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hallelujah. And may he serve you, Lord, all the days of his life. In Jesus' name, and everybody said Amen. Amen. Thank you guys so much. David, come on out here if you would. Welcome David as he comes. I'm telling you, this is a special night tonight. Tell everybody who you are. I'm David Christian. I'm a Jackson West Gideon. Jackson West Gideon. Amen. What does the Gideons do? We put they... the Bible out in the hand of these kids because they need a foundation of God under their feet right now. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Lord Jesus, you don't look like any Gideon I knew <laughs> handing out Bibles. 
Okay, so I'm a Santa Claus Gideon. I'll take that. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Who remembers the little red New Testaments being handed to you by Gideon when you were left the, at the school? Thank God for our Gideons. What happened to you on week number 85? As I stepped into the water, I'd been asking the Lord for that double portion. So when they lowered me down in the water, when I came up, I had my hands as high to heaven as I could reach them. I felt the power of the Holy Spirit from my fingertips all the way to the sole of my feet. I went to praising God. And then I said, Lord, I'm not getting out of here till I get my prayer tongue. So they gathered around me again. And they laid hands on me. I started speaking in tongues. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Woo! Thank you, Jesus. I took the first step coming up out of the water. And I looked behind me. I said, Lord, you took a weight off of me. It was awesome. I can't describe it to you. It was just awesome. <laughs> Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Woo! <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Do not leave until you get what you know is the will of God Amen. for you. Amen. God does not want his children to be in torment. Amen. Mental nor physical torment. What would Jesus do if he was here in his physical bone body standing right here after that worship and that adoration, what would Jesus do if he was standing right there in that spot? Would, would any person in this room leave sick? Would any person leave this room mentally tormented, depressed, suicidal? I believe with all my heart. People ask me all the time, how can you believe for people? Because of this one truth I know. I know what he would do if he was here. And when he showed me fire on the water, it was a promise to me, to all that would take that step of faith, that I'm going to meet him in fire water. went back under the second time. I certainly did because I wanted that second portion I asked for. <laughs> Praise God. Woo! Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. That's what we can I just say, you have not because you ask not. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Let David know how much you appreciate him. Stand to your feet, everybody. I'm about to introduce our guest speaker tonight, but before we do, I want to receive an offering. What an incredible gathering tonight. So many people are here in the room on this Thanksgiving weekend. What, what a blessing. It just gets better and better every single week, deeper and deeper. I don't know if we've ever had a prayer service like we had today. I want to encourage you to, to help in this time of giving, sowing and reaping right now, sowing and reaping, sowing a seed and reaping a harvest, sowing a seed and reaping a harvest. Please help us host the presence of the Lord financially in this room. Are we begging for money? Absolutely not. We never have. We just let you know of the need. It's about two to $3,000 a week on a Sunday night to host the revival. You perhaps would like to underwrite a service 
We've had that happen. People give $5,000, $10,000 to say we want to be. I I came and I was sick and I got healed. I just want to bless the revival. If we all did something tonight, if you can't do that, $5, $20, $10. Don't allow your weekly coffee intake be greater than the offering that you would give to the work of the Lord. These are very precarious times. We need to steward what God is doing well. Three reasons why revivals fail. Do you know what they are? One, prayerlessness. They make praise the priority and neglect prayer. No revivals ever started because of praise. Not one. Nor worship. Study history, every revival started and was sustained, not through worship, nor prayer, not even the preaching. But there was always someone, a group of people praying. It's the fuel. The second reason revivals failed is because of fatigue. The local church can't handle it anymore. Totally worn out. God has sent us replacements, reinforcements, and connected us with five wonderful pastors and their wonderful churches that are helping North Georgia host the presence of God. We're about to enter week number, or year number three, as strong as we've ever been. Not a weak one among us. Not a weary one among us. And the third reason Revivals fail is a lack of financial support. So let's give tonight. Father, we love you and we bless you. We thank you for our friends here and around the world that are sowing into this work. Thank you, Lord, for their partnership, their love, their generosity, and their willingness to obey. Thank you, Father, for the friends, these local pastors. Yeah. We speak life. We speak peace. We speak increase over every giver tonight. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Just remain standing as you receive the offering. It is my delight, my pleasure to introduce to you our speaker tonight. He's a survivor, he's a warrior, he's a fighter. He loves well, he loves deeply, he loves boldly, he's courageous. He tackled cancer this year, looked it square in the eye, wrapped his faith around the heart of Jesus. And to this day, he's cancer free more in love with Jesus than he's ever been, more bold than he's ever been. I called him up the other day and I said, Pastor, can you preach tonight? I was scheduled to preach and I just didn't feel like I was supposed to minister. I I very rarely minister in the revival. And I just felt like the Lord was saying, ask my friend, Jeff Lyle. born-again Baptist, 
full of the Holy Ghost, speaking in other tongues. Pastor is one of the most dynamic churches in Atlanta, New Bridge IHOP. He married well over his head with Pastor Amy, has two beautiful children. Would you help me welcome to this platform Pastor Jeff Lyle from New Bridge IHOP as he obeys the Holy Ghost. Come on, let him know you love him. Take your liberty, Pastor. Y'all are too kind. Thank you, Pastor Todd, Pastor Karen, for letting me come. Y'all can be seated. Uh, and I tell you what, it's always good to be here. I mean, it, it really is. Uh, whether I'm preaching or I'm listening to one of these other blessed messengers preach, it's always just good to be in the room. And tonight, from as Pastor Todd said, from the time for the pre-service prayer really until like right this very moment, I just sense this strange mixture of the pleasure from the Lord and the fear of the Lord. And I, I don't want to have to pick between the two. I just had the, the pleasure of the Lord over this house, over the lives that are in this room, those that are watching online. The, present, the pleasure of the Lord is just very, very strong. And I, I sometimes think that we forget um, just how much he really, really loves us. Now, that can sound highly theological, so I'm going I'm to give you something maybe that you won't say amen to as easily, but it's still true. He really, really likes you. He doesn't just love you. He actually really, really, really likes you. And this evening, I just sense the pleasure of the Lord on the room, on the house, on the leadership of Christ Fellowship Church, which... Um, every time my family comes, we are, we're stirred in our own hearts for the ministry that God's given us down in Gwinnett County, because when we come up here, we're, we're, we're at times deeply convicted about how we need to pursue the level of excellence that from pastors Todd and Karen to the Derricots to all of the other uh, staff leaders and all of the volunteers that that steward what the Lord has been doing for 147 weeks. They steward it with no diminishing of excellence. And you and I, we come in here and we get to eat at the table that they prepared for us. And so from my family to the Christ Fellowship Church family, to the leaders and the volunteers, I just want to say thank you so much for how you've stewarded what the Lord has done. Um, tonight, yeah, I think that's appropriate. We, I'm a, I, I probably just need to explain a couple of things. I'm a little overwhelmed right now. I'm going to preach on Holy Spirit saturation. Is that a charismatic Pentecostal title for a sermon or what? Some of you that are clued in said, but Pastor Todd said you were a Baptist. I was. Then something happened. <laughs> and the Baptist didn't want me hanging out anymore. No, I'm just kidding about that. I, I thank the Lord for my Baptist background. Uh, as a Baptist, I was taught the veracity of the Word of God, the authority of the Word of God. I was taught the disciplines of the faith. I was taught to be a soul winner, an evangelist, and a pro proclaimer, to have 
disciplined prayer life. I, I, I say this all the time because people have emailed me and written me sometimes saying, man, you're kind of hard on the Baptist. I, and I make a differentiation. I'm not hard on the Baptist, but I'm hard against the spirit of religion no matter what camp it's found in. And I don't make any apologies for that because the, the, the religious spirit is an anathema to the Holy Spirit. And um, so I, I'm, I'm in worship today, tonight, and uh, I know what I'm going to be sharing, and I, I purposely did not prepare detailed notes. My, my typical way I'm wired is to take a passage of Scripture and go verse by verse through it and make prophetic proclamation on it and apply it to our lives. That's just my sweet spot. That's where I like to be. But when I come up here, the Lord almost never lets me do that. The Lord's like, put your little outline away, son. You just stay yielded to me, and I'll put my words in your mouth. And so I knew that's what was going to happen this evening, but what I didn't anticipate is that I was going to start getting rocked by the Spirit during worship. And so I'm, I'm just going to go ahead and tell you what I'm going to tell you, and then I'm going to tell you it, okay? I want to talk about the Holy Spirit tonight, and I want the freedom. I'll ask you to give me permission, but if you don't, I'm going to take it anyway. I, I want the freedom to not have to regulate what I say so that, you know, it doesn't get picked apart or criticized. I need freedom tonight. And you can pick apart and criticize it if you want. I'm just saying I'm not going to bow to that tonight. Because I, I don't want to just, I, I really don't want to talk a lot about theology of the Holy Spirit. I want to talk about encounter. I want to talk about our need for the Holy Spirit. I want the people in the room to get something tonight that stays stirring in them when they leave the room tonight. I want the people that are watching, like my friends Vince and Mandy in California that are watching right now, I want the Holy Spirit to stir across the continent on the West Coast to stir them up so wherever they go, they got three more hours of daylight than we do. They got stuff they can do with what I'm going to share tonight. But this is what I want to say. I need the Holy Spirit. I need the Holy Spirit. I need the Holy Spirit. I am a tongue-talking, prophesying, word of knowledge, word of wisdom, faith man that pursues the Holy Spirit. And I tell you, the more I experience of him, the more deeply I sense, I need you, I need you, I need you. Every time I drink at the well of his presence, it is so refreshing and satisfying. But I'm telling you, I just continue to thirst for more of him. And I do believe with all my heart, as much as I've seen and experienced from him, that we have not even begun to remotely scratch the surface of what is offered to us from him today. And so I'm saying all that to tell you that you can be the, the most spirit-filled, spirit-soaked, mind-boggling, supernatural wonders and signs working Pentecostal charismatic in the room, and I'm going to be bold with you. I'm going to tell you, you need the Holy Spirit. You need to be filled with the Spirit. You need the anointing of the Holy Spirit. You need the gifts of the Holy Spirit. You are not done yet with your relationship with the Holy Spirit. I preached at a, a Covenant Connections this morning. Pastor David Edmondson, uh, he was on, yeah, he's such a dear brother. And, and after the service, a man walks up to me because I shared my testimony about how I was radically encountered by the Holy Spirit 
in my office four months after I was named the pastor of the fundamental Baptist church that I was a part of, and I, I got ambushed by the Holy Spirit. And this middle-aged guy, he's a little bit older than me, he came up to me and he said, I'm an ordained, licensed Baptist minister, and what you said happened to you happened to me. And I said, tell me all about it. He said, I got this book by a man named Todd Smith. It was called Tongues, Your Secret Weapon. And I started reading through it, and I did what it told me to do. And I waited on the Lord, and something started happening in me. So I left the living room, and I went to my bedroom. Do you know this story? Have you heard this? This happened. I heard this this morning. I, I went and shut the bedroom door because my wife was in the other room, and I didn't want whatever was happening to me to scare her. And I just started talking, and I started praying in tongues, and I haven't stopped praying in tongues. <laughs> And I didn't, I didn't understand. I thought maybe this was a couple years back. And I said, well, was this a while back? This was two months ago. And I said, it ruined you for denominational Christianity, didn't it? And he said, I'm ruined. It's time for some of you to start believing in all this at a level you've never believed in. The reason why you don't believe in it is because there's something in you that doesn't want to. Say, well, Jeff, you're, you know where you are. You're in the midst of a bunch of holy rollers, charismatics. You, you know where you are. I know where I am, but I'm speaking to those in the midst who would say honestly, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief when it comes to this. And those that are watching online because, you know, they're, they're willing to check out what's going on here, but they don't want to step into the room, but they're willing to watch it. That's fine with me. That's fine with me, but I'm telling you, there's got to come a place where you stop willingly disbelieving what God has put in his word, has put in front of your face. And you heard testimony from a nine-year-old boy today, a nine-year-old, and how the enemy wants to steal that testimony from a nine-year-old that encountered the Holy Spirit. He wants to steal it because he can't stand the fact that it's easier to argue with a preacher with a microphone in his hand than it is to argue with a nine-year-old boy who's got nothing to lose and nothing to prove. I don't know where Ethan is, but in the name of Jesus, Ethan, I bless you to never lose that experience and your confidence in it. I bless you with an immunity that no religious spirit, no lying spirit will ever steal what the Lord did for you, that you'll remember it to your dying day. So let's talk about the Holy Spirit. and I, I, I'm going to read a passage of Scripture out of the book of John, just a, three or four verses. I want to talk about Holy Spirit saturation because I believe it's what the church needs. It's a right now word. I'm not talking about cool Sunday services. I'm talking about Holy Spirit saturation that is Monday morning, Wednesday at midnight, Thursday on your lunch break, and Friday night when the bars are filled and you said no, you said, I want to be filled. John chapter 20, verse number 19, the day of the, the evening after the resurrection, it says, on the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were, now watch this, for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Shalom, peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, 
Shalom. Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so, I am sending you. And when he said this, when he had said this, he breathed on them. And he said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. I was taught wrongly on this passage. I was taught on so many theological levels about this passage of Scripture and all the other passages of Scripture that we can go through tonight. We're not going through even the primary ones on the Holy Spirit. I'm going to give you some commands from the Word of God about your relationship with God the Spirit. I'm going to show you that the, the, the Scriptures actually command some things. There's some mandates on my life as a Jesus follower as it pertains to the Holy Spirit. I'm not going to go theological with you tonight, but I'm going to tell you, this passage of Scripture has always been beautifully bewildering to me because Pentecost would come some 50 days later. This was pre-Pentecost. This is Jesus on the night of the resurrection. And he steps into the room where all of the disciples except Thomas had gathered. Judas was dead. Thomas was missing the Sunday night service. Y'all have all heard the pastors preach on that, right? And the rest were gathered up there. And, and he, Jesus comes into the room, and he's showing them his body. He's showing them the nail prints. He's showing them the wounds. And of all the things he could have done and could have said, he didn't preach a sermon. He, 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 didn't, he didn't give an exegesis of the messianic passages or the messianic psalms or anything like that. He said, the Father sent me to you, and now I'm sending you out there before you go. Receive the Holy Spirit. The word receive is a Greek word, lambano, and it's a word that is very simple. It's not complex. It's not mysterious. It literally means take what is being offered to you. Take it. Reach out and take what is being offered to you. And friends, the reason why I chose to open this passage with this passage is because I think we have made the Holy Spirit such a convoluted, complex, riddle, puzzle, enigma to be solved instead of remembering he's God. The charge on our life is not to figure out God. The charge in our life is to do life with God to cooperate with God, to honor God, to obey God, to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Nowhere in the scripture are you told, spend your days to figure them out. You can't unscrew the inscrutable. And a lot of people are trying to come to the inscrutable God who's beyond figuring out. They're saying, if I can just get this thing figured out, that's when my Christianity is going to take off. And some people were saying that 30 years ago, and they're still trying to figure out God. I wouldn't have any confidence in a God I could figure out. So what do we do? You receive the Holy Spirit. You say, I already have the Holy Spirit, Jeff. I got my theology down pat. When I got 
born again and I accepted Jesus in my heart. I was sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise until the day of redemption. I have the Holy Spirit. Amen. That's good theology. I appreciate that. What are you doing with him? How are you and he doing? Now, I'm not, I'm not going to be an accusatory, but I'm going to provoke you unto love and good works tonight. That, that, that's a mandate in Scripture. Provoke one another to love and good works. And what I'm looking at is a room filled with people, the majority of whom have the Holy Spirit because you've bowed the knee to the Lord Jesus Christ. You may even have been baptized in the Holy Spirit. You may have spoken with tongues. But I'm asking you this. How deep are those waters and how shallow are we willing to stay when there are depths that are calling our name? Because it's, it's not the guy with the microphone in his hand. It's not the super talented individual. It's not the one who, who's got the, the quote-unquote undeniable anointing. I think what the Lord is going to do in the last days as we are approaching the last days is he's going to be raising up from the shadowed corners of the kingdom teenagers elderly people, the uneloquent, the unimpressive, the unspectacular, those that maybe the world would say, I don't see anything noteworthy on them. The Lord says, that's going to be why I choose them. We've got to recognize that we, we don't have to be spectacular to be significant in the kingdom. We just need to learn to partner with the Holy Spirit. And so I'm going to give you a few verses tonight to help you do it. And I want to talk about some encounter. I really feel like I'm supposed to come against the spirit of unbelief and double-mindedness and doubt. People have been battling over the Holy Spirit for hundreds of years on this continent. I was trained theologically that every passage in the New Testament about the Holy Spirit was basically to be uh, viewed in a historical context. 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14, all the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Yes, let's read this and talk about how the gifts were available. Let's talk about how the, the early church had to have the gifts because they didn't have the Bible. But when the Bible, the writings of Scripture were complete, the gifts were no longer needed. I was taught that. Now I was taught, stay away from the crazy charismatics because even if the gifts are true, those guys abuse and misuse the gifts. And so I was trained to be at the very least skeptical, but at the worst, allergic to the Holy Spirit and his gifts. And God was so gracious and merciful to me that he gave me opportunities to hear truth. He gave me a mind that was able to say, I want to see it in the Bible because I see the gifts in the Bible. I see the signs, I see the wonders, I see the, the works of the Holy Spirit, I see the promises about the Holy Spirit, I see all of the teaching there, but what I don't see is anywhere that says that they come to an end at the end of the first century. But, but I, was, I was pounded, I had that pounded into me. And, and so I got to the point where I was like, I, I don't care what my denomination says. I don't even care what the, the charismatics say. Lord, what do you say about your gifts in the person of the Holy Spirit? I need to know what you say. So I got hungry. And if there's one thing that I've learned in the kingdom, the currency in the kingdom is hunger. And if a person will stay hungry... And let that holy hunger direct their steps. That person will find a table of feasting. And the Lord is calling you, some of you tonight, saying, you've gotten used to the aroma. It's not baiting you anymore. It's not, it's not 
tantalizing you anymore. You've gotten used to the smell. What I want to do is increase the aroma, increase the fragrance, and increase your hunger. I said, Jeff, I don't know what you're talking about. You did on Thursday. What are you talking about? Some of y'all walked into a house and you went, ooh, is that turkey? Is that Aunt Sally's macaroni and cheese? Is that apple cider? Is that mashed potatoes? Is that stuffing? Is that gravy glory hallelujah? And what you sensed rose up your appetite in you. And I'm going to tell you, friends, if we can get reconnected to our hunger, we will get reconnected to a level of power and presence in the Holy Spirit that will dwarf anything you've experienced before. See, I don't want the Holy Spirit to be a doctrine for me, my family, or for you. And I'm a theolog theological guy. I'm, we're about to enter our 15th year of broadcasting on transforming truth, which is a didactic teaching ministry that's been on television and, and cross-media internationally since 2006. So I'm a real big truth guy. I'm not a crazy liberal Christian. I'm a big truth guy. But do you know what I've learned? That if you only bow at the altar of theology, you will never bow in the presence of the one who gave you the theology. Theology makes a terrible God. It makes a great means to a glorious God, but it makes a terrible God if you stop at theology. So, I want encounter. You heard me. I want power encounter. I want to be overwhelmed. I want to get wrecked. I want to get brought to my knees. I want to experience the glory of God in ways that I've never experienced before. I'm hungry for that. Why? Because this world is boring. This world is shallow. The best that my flesh can manufacture only makes me want more of God. And I'm tired of this world and I'm tired of even the, the good parts of propped up Christianity. <laughs> I promise you I've got some verses I want to share, but I'm just trying to get us to think. Jesus said, I'm sending you, first command, receive the Holy Spirit. Receive the Holy Spirit. Now on Pentecost, the Holy Spirit baptized the church. The Holy Spirit came, descended, signs, wonders, flames of fire, tongues. People spilled out into the street. The inauguration of the Holy Spirit's visible activity in the church. Do you know what it caused people to say? These Christians are crazy. These Jesus followers are drunk. They're obnoxious. They're acting like fools at 9 o'clock in the morning. They're speaking in drunken, slurred, stumbling language. And that's the inauguration of the Holy Spirit's work. And you flash forward now, here we are 2,000 years later, and we think the Holy Spirit's job is to sit in the back corner of the sanctuary and observe what we do for the glory of Jesus. And if somebody dared, I'm going to tell on the religious spirit right here. If somebody dare get touched by the spirit and move in ways that are, <clears throat> that's undignified. 
And, and we, we, prejudice gets in us. And because we view them from the lens of our own lack of experience, we assume their experience can't be valid because we've never experienced it. And so instead of hungering to experience it, we can be tempted to turn into the judges of it. And this is sweeping the church. Friends, you and I, we, we may be in soaked environments where the movement and the work and the person and the gifts of the Holy Spirit are very normalized and we're, we're very comfortable with it. I want to tell you, massive amounts of Christians run from it, preach against it, pick apart those of us who are pursuing the Lord, the weary and exhausted sometimes, pursuing the Lord, saying, God, in my flesh there dwells nothing good. I am not good enough. You are glorious, gloriously good. To make your son's name famous in my generation, I can't rely on my own stuff. So what do we need? We need the Holy Ghost. We need to be filled. Let me tell you how it works. God gave me this years ago. This is how it works for me. It may not work this way for you, but it might work this way for you if you consider it. First, he drills you. That means he'll put a hole in your life. And then, through that hole, he fills you. And then, after he fills you, he takes you and he says, now I'm going to spill you. And he pours you out. And you know what happens when he drills you, fills you, and spills you? He thrills you. You get to the place you're like, I, I can't go back. I can't do this the way that I used to do this. I can't do this with the best of my man-made props and crutches. I, I need more. So, well, Jeff, you need to be careful, son. Can't go out chasing those signs and wonders. Well, I don't want to chase boredom either. I don't want to chase status quo. I don't want to chase mundane, mediocre, lukewarm, spew you out of my mouth versions of Christianity that Jesus didn't die for, the Holy Spirit didn't descend for, and Jesus Christ ain't coming back for. Everybody's chasing something. I'm going to tell you something. I'm not chasing after the effect. I'm chasing after the cause. Pursuing the Lord. So what are these commands? Let me just give you something to think about. I don't know if these will be up on the screen or not. If they aren't, let me just write them down. Let me give you this in Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 through 25. And this is a command to the Christian. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you'll not gratify the desires of the flesh. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. See, that's not sensational. That's not, ooh, supernatural, stunning, amazing, wow, mind blown, flopping on the floor, rolling around, speaking in tongues, barking like a dog. That's not that. What is that? That's every day. It's koinonia with God Almighty, God the Spirit. It's partnering with the Lord tomorrow morning and Tuesday night and Wednesday and Friday and Saturday and here right now. It is the intentional awareness that my life belongs to another and the one to whom it belongs wants to do this life with me, that he's not called me to live for him, but with him and in him, and that we are called to walk in the Spirit. Now, I'm going to give you something here. 
If you have to say, am I walking in the spirit? You're not. I'm not being antagonistic. I'm trying to, I'm trying to provoke you to consider. If you say, I don't know if I'm walking in the spirit, then I'm going to tell you, you're not. It doesn't mean you're not saved. It doesn't mean you're not loved and treasured dearly by the Almighty. It doesn't mean that your salvation is in question. But what it does mean is you took an initial step, but somewhere you stopped moving forward, and more than likely you're starting to slide backward. And so often we say, okay, I've got this weakness. I've got this struggle. I've got a besetting sin. I've got this issue in my mind or in my behavior or in my my words, I just need to stop it because the Bible says thou shalt not on this area. I'm just going to stop it. So what do we do? We say, hey, Lord, I'll never do that again. 24 hours later. I'm really, really sorry about that. Lord, I'm never going to do that again. Amen. And then you say, I got this. I got this. Temptation. Get behind me, Satan. You're walking. You're doing it. You got your disciplines. You got all your stuff. You got your backpack full of your, your spiritual ammo. You're going to make this thing happen. And 36 hours later, I'm really, really sorry, Lord. I'm never going to do that again. You know what our problem is? We focus on not doing the wrong instead of intentionally pursuing he who is always right. In other words, if you focus on the thou shalt not, thou eventually shalt. But if you focus on walking in the spirit, my Bible says right here, if you will walk in the spirit, you won't gratify the desires of the flesh. And so all of the energy we spend in teaching and preaching, listen, I preach holiness. Listen, if I ever get to preach back up here again, I want to bring a message on consecration and holiness because I believe in consecration and holiness. I believe that's part of walking in the spirit. But I'm going to tell you something. You can't master flesh with flesh. You have to walk in the spirit. Say, well, Jeff, tell us how to do that. I'm trying. I'm trying. Give me a minute. Let me give you another command because this is just to perk us up, to wake, wake us up just a little bit. Here's Ephesians 5.18. We all know this one. Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery or excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. Now, I believe there are multiple fillings, and I believe that verse alone, if we were to take the time to teach it, I could show you that Paul is not saying you need to experience the filling of the Spirit and speak in tongues, and therefore you can now get the badge that you're a Spirit-filled Christian the rest of your life. That's not what he's talking about. Literally, the Greek grammar is, be ye continuously being filled with the Spirit. And so Paul was saying the Christian life is lived out through continuous filling of the Holy Spirit. And as much as I thank the Lord for how he baptized me in the Spirit sovereignly, if I'm sitting around all day and saying, well, it doesn't matter how I live, it doesn't matter what I think, it doesn't matter how I cooperate, how I obey, I'm just going to be Spirit-filled if God wants me Spirit-filled. 
No, my friends, to be filled with the Spirit is to be yielded to the Spirit. It's to be surrendered to the Spirit. It's to, to constantly listen for the voice of the Spirit. So, Jeff, that sounds like a lot of work, man. I just want to get my worship groove on, man. I just want to do my thing. Well, you can do that in the flesh all day long, but we're not talking about that. We're talking about being filled with the Spirit. Because being filled with the Spirit, let me tell you where it's not tested. It's not tested in, in a worship setting. It's easy in here. I mean, it is, and I love it. I'm not apologizing for that. I'm, not, I'm just saying I, it's easy to be filled with the Spirit. I had to sit down the last 20 minutes of worship today. You know why? Because when the Holy Spirit really starts hitting me, I lose my legs. And I did not want to sit up here in a chair and preach tonight. When say, I say I lose my legs, I literally can't walk. I was in Greenville, South Carolina in 2014, 13, 14. And my wife, who was in a catastrophic car accident two years before that date, and suffers with pain in her leg and has metal structure in her leg, we went to see a friend who's just got a great anointing for healings. And we were at a conference, and we didn't know what he was going to do. He called us up to the front. And we went up there, and we wanted him to minister to Amy. Actually, he called us up for that. And he's prophesying over Amy, and I'm standing next to Amy, and I'm just praying. I got my hand on her. Matter of fact, he told me, get down, put your hand on her ankle. And so I'm down there, and all of the sudden, I'm, I'm getting, and I'm in front of about the room this size full of people, and I'm getting hit, and I'm not even the guy supposed to be receiving ministry. And I'm trying to be there for my wife, and I realize I am getting drunk in the Spirit. Now, I know that's irreverent for some of y'all, but email me your term for it, and we'll call it that. All I know is I started getting wobbly, and I, I stood up, and I'm looking at Amy, and I've got this like, I love you. And I finally just realized this ain't going to work. I am not helping my wife. I'm not, I, I just looked at the pastor. I'm going to go sit down. And I plopped down on the front row, and I didn't get my legs or my speech back for three and a half hours at a conference. Now, friends, I kind of pride myself on trying to have things together. I, I like to project, you know, in leadership. You know, I want people to have confidence that, that, I'm, well, that I can lead. But when you can't walk or talk, you're not exactly fit for a, an exemplary moment of leadership. Say, well, Jeff, that doesn't sound like the Holy Spirit. Well, it didn't to me either until it was the Holy Spirit that day. Well, what's my purpose in telling you that? Well, I just want to say, if, if you don't ever want to have an encounter that humbles you, then you're quenching the Spirit and you'll not be filled with the Spirit. If you're dictating to God the Spirit the terms upon which he must interact with you, you've made yourself his Lord instead of him being your Lord. And he can't fill that person. So surrender is absolutely necessary, and deeper surrender is necessary for deeper encounter. So Paul said, be filled with the Spirit. He said, Jeff, tell me how to do that. I will in a minute. Stay with me. Matter of fact, here's a good start, starting point. The 20th verse of the book of Jude. But you, beloved, he's talking to Christians. Not charismatic Christians, Christians. But you, beloved, by the way, everybody in the first century was a charismatic Christian. 
Okay, let's just go ahead and say that. Charismata is the Greek word for gifts of the Spirit, grace gifts given by the Spirit. And everybody that's saved possesses a charisma. We possess the charismata. Therefore, you may go to a Presbyterian church, but you're a charismatic if you're saved. Y'all don't like that. If you're a Baptist, I love you. But if you're a Baptist and you're saved, you're actually, strictly theologically speaking, you're already a charismatic. You, you may not be flowing in the charisma, but you are a charismatic. We'll say that for another day. But you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. Praying in the Holy Spirit. Uh, some people just mean, that just means fervent prayer. No, that's actually said elsewhere. That's said when, when James said the righteous, uh, for righteous prayers of, fervent prayers of a righteous man availeth much. Fervent prayers are awesome. Pray them in English. If you speak Spanish, pray them in Spanish. If you speak Korean, pray them in Korean. Pray fervently, but that's not what that's talking about. What's interesting is when it's referenced in the New Testament about praying in the Spirit, it's never explained, it's just assumed. It's just assumed that this is how we pray. And the Bible says that when we pray in the Spirit, and let me just go ahead and remove all doubt. That is, it may be more than praying in tongues, but it's not less than praying in tongues. It could mean other things, but it does not not mean praying in tongues. And here's the beauty of it. It says, when you do that, you're building yourself up. So, well, Jeff, I thought we were to build up the body of Christ. Well, let me just say something. Do you read your Bible to build yourself up in your most holy faith? Do you fast to build yourself up in your most holy faith? Do you attend worship and sit under the instruction of God, God's appointed leaders in order to build yourself up in your most holy faith? Yeah. So building yourself up in your faith is not a bad thing. It's a good thing. And so we're told by praying in the spirit, we build ourselves up. So yeah, I just don't understand that. It seems like a waste of time. Listen, friends, I'm, 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 I, we've got to do something here. Lord, help me with this. I want to be bold and sensitive, and sometimes I don't know which one I'm being, but just give me some grace. We have to dethrone. We need to be like Gideon. When Gideon got commissioned by the Lord, the first thing that Gideon was told to do is, hey, uh, go and tear down all the altars that your father and his generation built. It's time to tear those down. Those aren't needed anymore. And we've got an altar that the church has been bowing at since the, the Enlightenment. What is the altar? The, the need, the intellectual need to understand everything before we give ourselves to it. The post-enlightenment version of Christianity is, if I can't explain it, it's not real. If I can't understand it, it's suspect. And I want to remind all of us, you see, who are you yelling at, Jeff? Anybody that'll listen. We need to recognize that the entirety of Christianity is supernatural. We are serving a supernatural divine being who has no body, who has no beginning, who has no end. We can't even get into his presence physically without our faces melting off. We serve a king that we've never seen with the naked eye, who sits in a resurrected body on a throne governing the cosmos. We are inhabited by the very same God in the person of the Holy Spirit who dwells within the temple of our body. We were dead and now we're alive. We were children of the devil, now we're children of God. We were bound in our darkness, now we're freed in the light. 
And not a person in the room understands all of that, but we sure are benefiting from it, aren't we? So I, I just gave up, man. I, I just turned in my diploma. I said, I need to give you back my degree that tried to train me to understand you. I am so sorry that I tried to make you small enough for this little pea brain to understand. And anything I didn't understand, I found people that would help me to explain it away. And, and so when I'm telling you praying in tongues builds you up in your most holy faith, don't ask me how, just believe the Bible. Stop trying to figure it out and just do it. Man, I felt like I just got a pebble out of my shoe with that one. Hallelujah. Ephesians 6, 18, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. I, <laughs> Pastor Todd, he just hit it. I love worship. Come on now. I love praise. I love all of that. But there is an element that we need to get reacquainted with that we know how to tarry in prayer and supplication, that you pray until you pray, that you wait it out. I've, I've, I've spent at times an hour or more praying in tongues and nothing happens. No angels come into my room to sit down for a cup of tea. Moses and Elijah do not appear on the front steps of my porch but I pray in tongues. Why? Because the Bible commands it. And as I'm praying, I'm trusting that the Lord is praying through me. And though, as Paul said, when I pray in the spirit, I pray without my understanding. Isn't that amazing? The theological giant of the New Testament, the apostle Paul said, yeah, I do it all the time, but I have no idea what I'm praying when I do it. He wrote the most magnificent, magnificent theological portions of the Bible. And Paul says, yeah, praying in the spirit, I do it all the time. You should be doing it too, but I don't know what it is. I don't know what I'm praying. And we think we're going to want up Paul. Well, I'm not going to do that until I know exactly what's coming out of my mouth. Well, let me tell you something. You don't want to pray in tongues? You won't. You won't. Doesn't mean you're not saved. Doesn't mean God doesn't love you, but it does mean that you're going to be leaning on something that is going to be less than what the Lord is offering you. you. Say, well, Jeff, I don't have that gift. When did you decide you couldn't have that gift? When did you quit pressing in? Because the best I can tell, I am so getting off track here, but best I can tell, the scriptures tell me to earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. That's not a casual, well, if you want to give it to me, you're sovereign, you'll give it to me. The Bible commands me, pursue the spiritual gifts, especially that you might prophesy. And somehow in the church, we've like, we say, well, if you have that gift, that's great, that's fine. And if you don't have that gift, that's great, that's fine. Now, my friends, here's the thing. I want everything God has for me. I want everything that Jesus died to provide for me. To say that I'm good with what he's given is to say to him, I got what I want from you. It doesn't matter what you might want from me. I'm good. And we've got to get out of that. The enemy, oh my word, 
So I'm, he comes near me, man. I got my, I got my defense on. No, 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 no. I'm not saying how are you defending yourself from the enemy. How are you sending him running? How are you resisting him? Because he can smell flesh when flesh comes to combat against him. He's like, oh, look at her with all of her little cliches. Look at her with all of her little formulas. Look at that. And, and he doesn't play. But if you come against him in the power of the spirit, hell trembles. I, I want to say without sounding doomy and gloomy that there is a coming a season where it's going to be too late to try to get spiritually armed. And I know there's grace for everything that lacks in us, but I don't want to presume upon grace for my disobedience. I don't want to say, I'm not really going to press into that, all that stuff now. I'm sure I'll have it when I need it. Are you sure? Friends, everything in the culture is shifting. Some of y'all may be waiting to make up your mind about how the kingdom's going to go based on who's inaugurated on January 20th. Uh, I'm going to tell you, the kingdom's going to get along just fine no matter who is uh, sworn in that day. I, I, I'm, I'm, I, I've got opinions. I've got political leanings. I've got all of that stuff. But I'm going to tell you, all of that stuff is subordinate to my confidence in the throne of God. And from the throne of God, I find through the word of God this mandate. You need to be walking in the spirit. You need to be filled with the spirit. You need to be building yourself up upon your most holy faith, praying at all times in the spirit, contending in intercession and prayer. I'll give you these last couple. Ephesians 4.30, these are commands. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. And then it's, it's cousin, the cousin verse from 1 Thessalonians 5.19, do not quench the Spirit, do not grieve the Spirit, do not quench the Spirit, do not grieve the Spirit, do not quench the Spirit. R.T. Kendall has written a great book that I recommend every Christian read. It's called The Sensitivity of the Spirit. R.T. Kendall is an unusual man. He's just turned, I think, 85 years old, somewhere around there. He's a five-point Calvinist who flows in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. That's a rare breed. And he wrote this book called Sensitivity of the Spirit, and I never thought I grieved the Spirit very often until I read that book. And I realized what comes out of my mouth so easily and flippantly, I'm not talking about cursing or swearing, I'm just talking about unguarded speech. And R.T. Kendall says... The difference between a pigeon and a dove is the difference between the Holy Spirit and the religious spirit. He said the Holy Spirit is God Almighty, but he's sensitive. And the word grieve, when it says don't grieve him, it literally is a Greek word that indicates hurting his feelings. It's not breaking a rule, it's breaking his heart. And R.T. Kendall says a dove and we all know the dove is a picture of the Holy Spirit in Scripture. A dove will fly away at the slightest noise, the slightest disturbance. He'll fly away, but a pigeon will hang out. A pigeon's not that sensitive. And he says, we've got to decide whether we're going to be filled with the Holy Spirit or settle for pigeon religion. I, uh... Friends, when we gather to worship, 
Follow the Holy Spirit. Don't assume upon the Holy Spirit. Slow down a little bit sometimes and listen for his voice. He'll give you a word for somebody. Sometimes he'll tell you, don't give the word that you really want to give the word. And what we do is we, we, I don't want anybody walking on eggshells in the kingdom. I don't think it's spiritual to be scared of making the wrong move in the kingdom. But I do want us to remember that there's two negative commands in scripture regarding us and the Holy Spirit. And one says, don't grieve him. The other one says, don't quench him. Let me tell you this. You grieve who he is, you quench what he does. The grieving is your relationship with him. The quenching means that you, I mean, this is stunning to me. That little old me has the power, the unholy ability to quench the spreading flame of the Holy Spirit in my life. So I'm sobered by that. Those of us that are charismatics, listen, or maybe a word to us, I'm just so I can be an equal opportunity offender. And I wasn't born a charismatic, nor was I the son of a charismatic. But I became one, and it cost me just about everything. And so I am not ashamed of the Holy Ghost. Not ashamed of the Holy Spirit. And I want to honor him. I want to obey. I want to surrender. I want to walk in holiness because he's the Holy Spirit. He's not the cool spirit. He's not the kicking spirit. He's cool and he's kicking, but I'm saying reverently, he's the Holy Spirit. When God wanted to attach an adjective to who he would be in us, he said, I choose holy. So a word to the wise is sufficient. I don't want to talk in tongues on Sunday scream at my family on Monday. I don't want to have my hands in the air and worship during revival and then give somebody the middle finger in traffic on Wednesday. Yeah, I said it. I'm just going to, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to drop off here. I'm going to give you the last thing. Preachers say that all the time. I'm actually thinking about meaning it as I just said it. I'm just about to give you the last thing. Watch this. Old Testament Israel, all throughout their history, they rejected God the Father and they chased after pagan idols. Read um, the book of Hosea and you'll find the Lord pleading with his people, you've rejected me, you've rejected me, you've rejected me, you've rejected me. And they suffered for it. They went into captivity. Old Testament Israel rejected God the Father. New Testament Israel rejected God the Son. We will not have this man to rule over us. He came unto his own and his own received him not. And they rejected God the Son for their religious tradition. Old Testament Israel rejected God the Father so they could have fun with the pagan gods. New Testament Israel rejected God the Son so they could cling to their Pharisaical religion. You know what I think there's a danger of in our day? The modern church rejecting God the Spirit. Isn't it amazing to me that the Father was rejected, the Son was rejected, and here we are at the crossroads of a generation where there are large segments of the body of Christ rejecting the person and the work of the Holy Spirit. 
friends, this is what I'm gonna say. I believe better things for you. I believe better things for the churches that you serve in. The most often repeated command in the Bible regarding you and the Holy Spirit is found seven times, and I'll close with this. They'll put this last statement from the book of Revelation. It's found seven times in the book of Revelation. You know what the most often repeated command is in Scripture regarding you and me and the Holy Spirit? Hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. Hear the Spirit is saying to the churches. God the Spirit is God in you. The Father and the Son are in heaven. It is the Spirit who inhabits the earth today. The people of God are indwelt by God the Spirit. He's not a toy. His gifts are not tricks. They're tools for ministry. And what I believe tonight is that the Lord wants to ask any who are willing to step forth, to press in and say something very simple. More, Lord. More, Lord. Through the waters of baptism, more, Lord. More gifts, more healings, more anointings, more callings, more revelation, more words of knowledge, all of it, Lord. Whatever you want, I want it. I believe we were exhorted tonight from the man who's the human authority in this house to put up our hands and don't tell God specifically what he has to do for you. Just come with empty hands and saying, whatever you want, Lord, whatever you want. Say, Jeff, I, I feel like I flow in the gifts. I guarantee you, I guarantee you there's more for you. The blight on the church that we have to fight against and resist is that we are too easily satisfied with too little. And as for you and me, man, I smell it in the air. The aroma's getting thick. The fragrance is beckoning me. It's baiting my soul. It's saying, come out from among them and be separate. Don't let anybody else be the ceiling on your relationship with God. Let the Lord elevate you. Let the Lord anoint you. Let the Lord bring you forth. There's men and women in the room tonight that you have callings that you have not unboxed because the spirit of unbelief has told you what God can't do or can't do with you. And there are young people in this house. There are young people that God's going to do a work in the in the. Gen Z and the young millennials, there are young people that, that the Lord is saying, I'm ready to release you. I'm ready to do what can only be done by me through you. I'm ready if you are willing. There's some of you feel like Moses out on the backside of the desert. You're older now. You failed in the past. It wasn't what you thought it was going to be. And you're pretty pretty convinced that there's absolutely no prospect for a burning bush from which your name's going to be called. And I dare you to believe that there is a burning bush. I dare you to believe that if you've got a pulse and a brainwave, he ain't done with you yet. So I just believe, and I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet. I just believe we need to hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. The Spirit is saying it's a new day and there's got to be a new touch. There's a new fight, and there's got to be a new armor on you. Saul's armor has to be taken off. You are not meant to wear Saul's armor. God's got tailor-made armor for you. 
Some of you are going to step into the baptistry tonight. Don't you dare be bashful. Don't go up there as some servant on probation. Go in there as a beloved son and daughter and say, Abba, only you and Abba tonight. Some of you need to go ahead and say yes to the calling that you said yes to a long time ago, but it got shelved for some reason. And tonight the Lord's saying, I want you to revisit that because my gifts and my callings are without repentance. Some of you need to go ahead and reach up, take your, your, your calling off the shelf. You say, Jeff, I, I want to be filled with the Spirit. How do I get filled with the Spirit? I'm going to give you this and then I'm, I'm literally done. You get as low as you can go. You get your soul as low in humility and dependence and hunger and need as you can go. And then you reach with that same soul as high as you can reach. You bow low and you reach high and you stay there until the Father moves. You stay there until the Holy Spirit, it, it, it may be tonight, you may have to do it a week, you may have to do it a month, but you just say, Lord, I'm so hungry and I am not leaving until you bless me. I'll wrestle with you till the break of day, but I am not letting go of you until you bless me. So Lord, we're asking you now. Put substance into the name Spirit-Filled Christian. We don't want it to be our denominational slogan. We don't want it to be our badge of pride. We want it to be the fitting description of how we're living our life, filled with the Holy Spirit. Father, I'm asking you, as we pursue gifts together in this hour, release gifts. Prophecy, let it come. Where are the prophets? Raise them up, gift them, empower them, release them. Miracles, healings, the gift of tongues. And Lord, give us thousands with the gift of interpretation so our tongues don't go uninterpreted, falling to the ground without building up the body of Christ. Let us pray in the Spirit fervently when we're on our own, but give us interpreters, Lord, so that when we gather and somebody has a prophetic word in tongues, there's somebody to interpret it. Raise up interpreters. Lord, give leadership giftings, gifts of helps, gifts of administrations. My God, we are dependent on you and we repent and renounce even the best of our proud flesh, even the best of our experience, the best of our education, the best of our disciplines, the best of what we've seen you do in the past. We say it's not good enough, Lord. We want you. We need the Holy Spirit to move. And we're saying yes, Lord, because you said yes a long time ago when you said, Jesus, receive ye the Holy Spirit. We take what you offer. And we're going to get ready for baptisms. And as we do that, I believe simultaneously this is an opportunity for some to receive an impartation. And I feel like I'd be disobedient tonight if we didn't invite the ministry team all of you that are part of the Christ Fellowship ministry team or altar team, if you would prepare yourself. I talked with Pastor Todd about this earlier, and so he's on board with this. If you would come and just come up front, however you typically do it, would you come up front and, and get ready for any that might come? And I'm going to encourage you, don't overcomplicate it. 
ask them what they want, what gift, what anointing, what filling. If they need, they have a desire to pray in the Spirit and they never have before, pray with them to pray in the Spirit. Some of you have callings. The calling comes from the Lord, but it's affirmed by the local church and the leaders of that church. And if you have a calling, you come tonight They'll bless your pursuit of that calling and then there'll be steps to take afterwards, but it's time for you to step into your calling and don't make apologies for it. Say, Jeff, I'm not qualified. Well, of course you're not. You're doing it for God. Nobody's qualified. That's why it's grace and that's why it's a gift. And it's okay. He loves taking the unspectacular and doing amazing things. Some of you need healings and tonight, the waters are gonna be moving. As a matter of fact, as we do this altar call, if you're in group A, we want you to get ready and begin to come. And those that help and facilitate the baptisms, we'd ask you to come. I think Danny's gonna do that. If you're in group A and you're not coming forward for prayer, you can come forward uh, and, and Danny will take you to where you need to go. You can do that right now. But worship team, what I'd like to do, we got y'all ready to sing tonight? Let's just enter into and let's welcome the Holy Spirit to do what he wants to do. And listen, friends, you're not on display right now. This is you and the Lord. If you need to be broken, be broken. If you need to soar to the heights, soar to the heights. If you need to shout, shout. But Holy Spirit, increase your presence in the room. We welcome you. Do with us what you want to do. We want you and we need you. Come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. Amen.
everyone. My name is Karen Smith. Go ahead. We're here at the North Georgia Revival. Yeah. Week 147. So good to have you with us. What an incredible night it has been so far. You know, Todd, things started very heavy in the spirit during our prayer time. Our corporate prayer time started at 5 o'clock. Something happened during prayer tonight that's never happened before. There was a volume in the room. There was a power in the yep. room. The yep. people began to praise and worship the Lord. And really, even this morning, we could tell that there was going to be a new day, a new power uh, present with us. And the Lord has not uh, failed. He has shown up in grace and power and in strength. It's already been an incredible day. Uh, in the presence of the Lord. Just very unusual uh, presence and spirit in the house this morning and tonight. Yeah. It, as you mentioned a moment ago, Karen, it happened about 15 to 20 minutes into prayer. We knew that the king had walked into the room, yes, literally. Yes. And that he was listening to and paying close attention to our intercession. And then it erupted in the moments of just spontaneous intercession warfare, very vocal, yeah. and then it went into worship. Yes, normally our prayer times at five o'clock and our corporate prayer times across the board during the week, they're, you know, it's pretty quiet. People are very focused and there's not a lot of volume. There's sometimes, you know, you can hear people trickle in and begin to pray, but it's very concentrated. But tonight, for some reason, people just began to erupt in prayer it was almost a sense of agony and intercession. And so we just went with that and we welcomed it. And then we had somebody just come on the keyboard, just very spontaneous and began to praise Jesus. We began to uh, exalt him, not asking for anything, but just exalting him and worshiping him. And as you said, he just came into the room and he just carried over into the service. We really didn't even want to do a transition. We really just wanted to go from prayer right into the service. But we knew things technology-wise we had to do, make adjustments, get ready for service. But uh, we were so careful not to disrupt the presence of the Lord tonight. And he, he's just... Um perpetuated that all night long. Right now, there's just a heavy presence into the room. Yes. Uh, it's, even, it's difficult to even talk and even kind of think through what we need to try to say right now. So. Mm. Yeah, so true. Pastor Jeff Lyle, uh, Newbridge, IHOP right there in Lawrenceville, Georgia. What a message tonight. I, I would encourage you to go back and yes. watch it again. Watch it and watch it again and really forward the link to people because he did such a job, a masterpiece in articulating, Karen, the power of the Holy Spirit and our need to be saturated with him. So yes. thanks to Jeff Lyle and, and his ministry. Uh, tonight's going to be really, really unusual in the baptismal waters. Uh, there's such hunger and faith, Karen, there's faith. And we heard the testimony of little Ethan getting baptized and asthma, leaving his body, leaving his body, having no breathing problems whatsoever. Uh, it just one miracle after another. And I know some of you are thinking, well, what do, I, what do I have to do? I can't get to the North Georgia Revival. I can't get to Dawsonville. I can't get to Christ Fellowship Church. Well, the Lord knows exactly where you are and he knows your heart. I believe fully that God's gonna minister to you in this moment. In this next hour and a half to two hours while we're baptizing people, put your faith, identify with the people that are in the water, and let the Holy Spirit, as they minister, or as he ministers to them, let that 
or literally translate to you right where you are right now and watch what God does. Watch what God does. We get testimonies all the time of how God touched people just by watching and observing what's happening in the water. The key is, and Pastor Jeff Lyle mentioned it tonight, the key is, folks, is hunger and desperation for him getting so, uh, humbling ourselves so low and realizing, this is my takeaway from what he said tonight, realizing that all the spiritual disciplines that we can implement, all the education that we can implement, and, and trying to figure God out, getting our theology straight, none of that is going to be enough mm -hmm. to live a spirit-filled, joyful, victorious Christian life. The only way that we can do it is to be filled with his spirit mm -hmm. to be filled with the spirit of Jesus. Wow. It's great to have our all of our P's and Q's lined up. That's great. But I tell you what, that type of life is wearisome. Yeah. It'll wear you completely out trying to be holy and righteous in and of yourself. And he said it, you can't combat flesh with flesh. Oh, You've got to have the Holy Spirit to live that victorious life. We want to invite you guys to come to Dawsonville. We do. Come to the North Georgia Revival every Sunday night. This is week 147. We're, we're just nine weeks away, Karen, from hosting the Revival, His presence, for three years. Our people are strong. We're energized. We're focused. We're praying. And we know that when you get here, you're going to encounter Him. Uh, one perfect opportunity is December the 13th. Just a couple of weeks away, Jeremiah Johnson is going to be here. We want you to come. Uh, get here early, stay late. It's going to be a powerful night. And then our women's conference, January 22nd and 23rd. 22nd and 23rd. Come be a part of that, ladies. I'm telling you, it's going to be transformational. You know, can't wait to watch the baptisms tonight, Karen. It's going to be powerful. So glad you've been able to join us. Stay with us. Just, just um, settle in. Shut everything around you down. Focus. Pray. Pray as these folks get into the water. They're here expecting. So stay with us. Enjoy what God's going to do. God bless you guys. Let's go right now to Pastor Marty in the baptismal pool.